Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's Monday, so it's the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. Hope everyone had a great weekend as we are motoring towards... The start of the NFL season. Do you realize? Let me get to date here exactly. I have that number here. The Dallas Cowboys show up to training camp in roughly eight days. Eight days, the Cowboys will be in camp getting ready for the Hall of Fame game. And then the Steelers, so they're going to report normal at July 28th in their normal date. And then they play a game eight days later the Hall of Fame game where everybody's going to be this year as really we kick off the 2021 NFL season, which I think is going to be one of the great years that we have seen in recent memory because of all the storylines coming out of the pandemic, going in, Dak Prescott, big money. Man, there are so many great stories that are going to be going around the National Football League. We are packed once again, and I got to tell you something about the National Football Show. I'm so throttled the way we get people on the program, especially Hall of Fame voters. Nate Davis from USA Today is going to join us here in a couple minutes. We'll do that at around 4.15 Eastern time. Then in the second hour, our NFL insider that you will see each and every single week here on the National Football Show, our friend Jason Call, Pro Football Hall of Fame voter, fan-sided, will be with us. That'll be an hour two at 5.30 Eastern time. So let me start out with something that's trending on Twitter here. I always like to talk with people are talking about and then weave it into my world, my sandbox, football. So SAS, no, not ASS, but SAS. Stephen A. Smith made a comment about Shohei Otani, and I'm going to paraphrase this. Says that the reason that Shohei Otani um, cannot really be the face of Major League Baseball is because he needs an interpreter and it'd be tough to sell merchandise and, you know, to communicate with the fans. I saw that. And, hey, on its merit, I was just talking to my boy Krause. On its merit, I get where he's coming from. You, know, you, you want to know why a lot of the European athletes don't resonate in America? Like, look at Roger Federer. When people think of the greatest tennis player of all time, you think Federer's name comes up? No. It's Pete Sampras. Americans root for Americans. Okay? That's in anything. Michael Phelps was considered the greatest athlete in Rio. Not really. You know, Hussein Bolt and the records that he broke and the things that he did. I don't know, man. Fastest guy in the world versus being the fastest swimmer in the world. I'll take the fastest dude in the world any day as your greatest athlete. But he's not American. And it's something that this country has always been guilty of. We don't really root for people around the world. It's one of the reasons why soccer doesn't resonate in this country. Messi's a 
massive star around the world. By the way, he wins Copa America with his Argentina team. I guess it's great, but to me, it means nothing. But around the world, that was a legendary moment in his career. His final time that he finally wins a major championship. It's big news around the world. You know, you got Cristiano Ronaldo. All those guys are massive stars around the world. In America, he's not in a same conversation with Kobe or Tom Brady or LeBron or any of those guys because we root for Americans. So on its merit, you kind of get where he's going. But we don't live in that type of culture right now. We live in the Twitter age, Facebook age. We live in a very polarizing time when conservatives and liberals are battling one another for what's right and wrong and the way you should live your life. We can't even debate on whether or not not to wear a mask or not and the political identity you get when you wear a mask. You think that's going to land in the right place? And I'll give you something else on landing in the right place here. So remember when Colin Kaepernick made a comment about social injustice and how he kneeled for the national anthem. Where, where did that land? You know where that landed? That landed on the side of him disrespecting the flag. Not one intention, according to Colin Kaepernick, was meant to disrespect the flag. It was about social injustice. That's not where it landed. Why is that? Well, Football fans are middle America and the South. They're not California and New York. They are not. They are not those liberal states. That's not where the fan bases are, man. Football is a middle America and Southern sport, college and pro. And so when you say something that's controversial like that, you're hoping it lands where your intentions are. I tell people all the time when you're doing sports talk radio or sports broadcasting, make sure you write your topic out. Make sure you want it to land here where your intention is, not over there where somebody can interpret it a different way. So it's now being interpreted that it's a racist comment by Stephen A. Smith that he needs to learn English. This is how, you want to know how it's landing? He needs to learn English for him to be a star in this country. Whether you agree with what I just said, that's how it's landed. That's how it's landed. My problem with that is not so much what he said is, it's how we pick and choose which guys can say comments like that. I made a mistake in 2012, and it was horrible. I got fired for it. I was at a place for 15 years. Eight shares in the morning. I was number two in the market, 12 plus, not just in men. I destroyed it. Nobody could beat me. Only Bubba the Love Sponge was beating me. And by like tenths of a point. And I was on an AM all by myself. Yeah. And I, I, I just said, sign those three monkeys. Just like that. Got called in the office and was fired two weeks later. It was a mistake. I, I even know Jonathan Vilma because Jonathan Vilma, I guess, came in for a workout. I think it was Courtney, Courtney Finnegan, who was also, and I guess someone else, I forget. And it was just, this was a produced segment. 
on ESPN's first take. And I was just talking again to the guys before we went on. Man, in today's landscape, you know, we're not in the land of Oz here where everything is perfect. We're in a cancel culture right now. You make comments like that, you're going to get your ass handed to you. That is, without a doubt, again, not knowing the room. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But like most anything, and I say this about Stephen A. Smith, he's the sports version of Don Lemon. These guys are race baiters. So I will say this about Otani, though. Otani's my favorite baseball player since Barry Bonds. This guy, he's going to be now the starter for the American League on the Hill. And he's also going to hit, I believe, in the leadoff spot. This guy is the best baseball player I have seen since Barry. But then you have to add the dimension of this. Holy cow, man. If you're playing guys like Manny Machado, 30 million, and you're paying guys like Fernando Tatis Jr., 30, and Bryce Harper, 34, and Nolan Arenado, 35, what in the world is Shohei Otani worth? It's incredible. I, every time he plays, he had a 480-foot home run, I think, this past Friday. This guy's incredible, man. He makes you stop and lean forward. He's one of those athletes that makes you lean forward. You know, I'm going to make a comparison. You know, in my world of football, the only other athlete I've ever, I mean, would we not agree with this? What's more impressive? What Shohei Otani's doing or what Bo Jackson did? Bo Jackson was an all pro running back for the Raiders before he got injured in that playoff game against the Bengals. And he was also an all star baseball player with the Kansas City Royals. Remember, he was in the booth and I think President Reagan was in the booth and Vince Scully was calling the all-star game at the time and Bo Jackson hit that home run. I think it was in KC too, if I'm not mistaken. I thought it was in KC and he hit this mammoth home run as the president was talking and Vince Scully was talking. I played against Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson is the greatest athlete. By the way, I'm going to talk to Nate Davis about this too. What Shohei Otani is doing, being a superstar pitcher and a superstar hitter for the Los Angeles Angels is, is must-see television. But some of you guys that may be too young, Bo knows. I think sometimes people out of sight, out of mind, you guys got to go to YouTube. It's just YouTube Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson running dudes over. Bo Jackson was a Heisman Trophy winner for Auburn. I played against him in college. Sick. Sick athlete. The two greatest athletes I've ever played against were Deion Sanders and were Bo Jackson. Deion was a star baseball player and a Hall of Fame football player. And make no mistake about it, Dion was great at both, but he was actually a Hall of Fame uh, NFL cornerback. Nobody threw to Dion's side of the field for a decade. I mean, that guy he ran four flats. I mean, I 
had a couple of years where Mike Kane's teams played against his Florida State Seminole teams. And it just was incredible on how great of an athlete um, he was. However, Bo Jackson, you know what's sad about Bo? You know, the toll took its, you know, it took it out basically on, on his body. And Bo Jackson was just one of the greatest athletes I've ever seen. All right. All that being said, guy that I really admire and a guy's work that I love at USA today is our friend Nate Davis. And he joins us here now on the National Football Show. Nate, I was just talking about Bo Jackson. You know, you know Shohei Otani's in the news. He's going to be the starting pitcher. And I don't think people realize or remember because, you know, out of sight, out of mind a little bit. As great as Shohei Otani is as an athlete, I know that you were covering the sport um, when Bo burst onto the scene here, and I played against Bo when he was in college and in the pros. I got to tell you, man, I've never seen an athlete like Bo Jackson. But can you see the comparisons a little bit on what Otani's doing with the Angels and what Bo meant when he came into both baseball and football? Yeah, sure, Dan. I mean, I think it's a natural thing. I mean, uh, I'm not – that, I'm, I'm old enough to have had a double threat Bo Jackson poster uh, on my wall, but um, I, I can also remember when people didn't really take him that seriously when he picked the Royals uh, over the Buccaneers when he, when he first you know skipped out on the Bucks uh, back in '86. Uh, but he was a legit baseball player and, and quickly and maybe ahead of his time as a guy that was mashing and, and striking out otherwise. But uh, you know when I think of two sports stars, I, I think of Bo Jackson. Uh, and Deion Sanders, and I think of them as some of the best athletes that, you know, we've ever seen uh, in our lifetimes. I'm not sure Shoya Otani is not in that conversation, but certainly what he's doing uh, is, is unique uh, and, and really impressive. Absolutely. I think baseball has a face of their sport right there in Shohei Otani. All right, I, wa- I want to get into, and I'm, gonna, I'm always going to be kind of, Nate, on the player's side with this, and I want to I get your spin on how you think the NFL is going to handle this moving forward this year. So, it's coming out now that Josh Allen and Dak Prescott, the Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback, was also asked the question on whether or not that they were vaccinated. And he says that's a private matter. Josh Allen is saying he's not vaccinated and he'll move forward with the protocols on what's being uh, put in front of him and the bills. I guess Cole Beasley has made a statement on it as well. And yet the NFL is telling its fans that some facilities you have to be vaccinated when you go into it. How do you look at the highest paid guy in the history of the league? The face of the Dallas Cowboys won't tell you whether or not he's vaccinated. Why do the fans have to prove that they're vaccinated going into these facilities? I mean, it seems like a double standard here in how the NFL is looking at this. How do you think they move forward with this? I think that Dan will probably move forward just as you said they will. Uh, I mean, and it's, it's a different set of rules for the players. And, you know, obviously they're getting paid for, for specific talents that fans don't have. But even within team buildings, I mean, most of these tier one guys, assistant coaches, uh, support staff, that kind of thing, these guys they all basically have to be vaccinated. And, and the, the rates within the league uh, on, on those guys is, is very close you know, it's, it's in the mid-90s, that kind of thing. You, you, there's very few guys that, you know, I know there has been word that maybe one or two assistant coaches are, are trying to kind of push back against that. But uh, even if they did, that, that really limits their ability to do coaching on the field, meetings, that kind of stuff. Um, but it's going to be an interesting dynamic, you know, within teams because I think it's going to be a competitive advantage for teams with, with vaccinated players. Uh, and certainly, you know, Buffalo, as you said, has been in the news and Cole Beasley has been very outspoken. Um, but – 
Uh, it's also going to be interesting to see how, how some of these conversations go once these guys realize that, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in the hotel uh, when we travel. Uh, I might be flying on a different plane when we go somewhere. Uh, and, oh, by the way, I, I got to stay home for my bye week and get tested every day while my teammates who are vaccinated can go on vacation or do whatever they want to do. So uh, I think it's a, it's a topic that's going to be ongoing. Uh, certainly some players, probably Cole Beasley, at the head of the list are, are, are going to have more to say and maybe be more opposed to it. But I think, I think probably you're going to see the far majority of guys probably falling in line just, just because it's going to make their lives uh, easier. Nate, do you think this could slow up the contract extension or the new contract for Josh Allen? I mean, they really love the kid. The kid has done everything right since he came out of Wyoming. I know the, the post that he made on his Twitter page when he was a young guy, he's put that in his rear view mirror everybody's in love with the guy, something like this, non-starter here when it comes to looking at extending him. I think so. I mean, I think that's going to happen. I mean, the bills have shown that they're an organization that's about continuity. It's about team building. Uh, they, they've been very selective and free agency uh, bringing in, you know, guys that clearly fit into the Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean kind of category. Um, and, and I think probably the bills would probably, you think really get that contract done sooner than later, because you would only think the price tag on Josh Allen is going to go up. Uh, the longer they wait. Uh, and they also, you know, you, even if there was an issue, Brandon Bean's got to be careful because I know he talked, you know, earlier this offseason that, that maybe if a guy's not vaccinated, you know, maybe that's a guy that, that gets cut from the roster this summer uh, when it comes down to it. And, and you know, that, that that can't be, you know, legally a reason that you do that kind of thing. So, um, but regardless, I doubt that that plays a very, a very big part in their decision making because I think it's probably more of a temporary short term consideration. Nate, I know you had a chance to talk to Bobby Wagner. And let me throw this at you here. You know, all the things that were going on in the offseason with Seattle and Russell Wilson and kicking tires, and I'm tired of getting hit. And it was a junior version of what's going on in Green Bay. Is it, I, I took it like this. Maybe you see it different. I think he's built up so much equity in that organization that he gets a hall pass on something like this and that everything's going to be cool. Players are going to be okay with it. You know, look at what Seattle did. They went out. I think they got another wide out in the draft. You know, they upgraded the offensive line. They're doing the things that he wants. And now he's saying, hey, I want to be a Seahawk for life. So that whole scenario could tee off some people because you did throw the old lineman under the bus when you said, I've been the most sacked guy since I've been the starting quarterback and I came into the league. That's throwing the five guys under the bus. However, it is him, and he's built that equity up. You think everything moving forward is all good there? I, I think it's it's take it year by year, Dan. I mean, it's, it's not the first time we've kind of heard you know Russell Wilson's name floated out there uh, as maybe a, a guy that, that you know may, maybe would move on one day. Um, but it, it's such an interesting double-sided coin. I mean, yes, he's right; he gets hit a lot. But you know, I think Russell Wilson also brings a lot of that on himself because he doesn't get rid of the ball either, and he's always a guy that does that Fran Tarkenton thing and, and wants to. You know, make, make something out of nothing every time, which is admirable in his game. But it's also the reason he gets hit and sacked a lot uh, is because he invites it to a certain degree. Um, you know, as, as for moving forward, you know, I think cl clearly the contract, you know, he, he's kind of tied to the team for this year. Um, next year and the year after, if the Seahawks want to move on, I think it becomes more uh, it's certainly you know financially feasible for him to do so. And, and just, you know, in there's so many times you want to say never in the NFL, but I've learned you just never say never. I mean, you never, you never think Tom Brady's going to play in a different uniform or Peyton Manning or, you know, Aaron Rodgers, which we'll, we'll see how that goes as well. But uh, I, I think anything is always on the table. And it's, it's such an interesting dynamic with Russell too, that 
uh, you know, for years, you, you know, particularly when he was a young player on that team and it was more of a veteran-driven, you know, Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor and those guys, I'm not really sure how well he dovetailed with a lot of those guys. I mean, it is more Russell's team now. He's obviously the established guy. Uh, he's the guy we talk about when we talk about the Seahawks. But, uh, you know, Pete Carroll always likes to talk about graduating his guys too. It's, it's hard to fathom, you know, graduating Russell Wilson if you don't have a, uh, you know, what's your alternative plan at quarterback given what he does for that team. But, um, like I said, I, I never say never when it comes to the NFL. You think Wilson's the quarterback the entire tenure of Pete Carroll? I mean, do you think Carroll moves him, or do you think Carroll, he's 70 years old, and I'm not saying he's the youngest 70, Nate, I've ever seen in my life. The guy runs around like he was running around when he was at Southern Cal, jumping off the 10-meter board and all that. He's a fun dude to be around, but, I mean, he is 70. We're talking about a guy getting up there now, and you think Russell Wilson he, he retires the Seattle Seahawks? <laughs> you, 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 think, you, know, you know, and and they historically, you know, the Cortez Kennedys and the Walter yeah. Joneses and the guys that you know don't get enough appreciation because they had to play up there, and you know we didn't talk about them about them. Bobby Wagner, I talked to him about this same thing. I mean, is, is there anybody more underappreciated in the NFL? Absolutely, than Bobby Wagner, who's going to be first ballot, you know, Hall of Fame, in my opinion. Uh, but uh, to your point, Dan, I do think also that Pete Carroll doesn't necessarily want to go through a rebuild uh, at his age and given the nucleus. That being said, you know, is there an opportunity a year from now or whatever that they say, well, hey, maybe we can trade Russell Wilson and get Baker Mayfield and some draft picks in return. Uh, and then maybe we're more of a run-oriented office, which is what Pete Carroll wants to be anyway. Uh, or, or you know, is, is there a scenario where, hey, maybe we can trade Russell Wilson for Aaron Rodgers and, you know, everybody's happy uh, or, or whatever. I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just, I'm just saying. I think, I think if the Seahawks are going to move him, uh, I think they would probably look to get into some situation where they're not necessarily turning to the draft and and, and pinning their hopes on a, on an unproven guy, first round, whatever, and, and hoping it can go back to what it was. But um, I mean, this also is not really, I think, the team Pete Carroll envisioned either. And I think he said it last year that game with the Buffalo Bills that I want to say Seattle lost. 44-34. I mean, Pete Carroll wants to be Legion of Boom 2013. Let's run the ball and suffocate him with defense. He doesn't want to win 45-41. Uh, that's kind of what they are right now. Let me throw this at you. Tell me if you subscribe or you disagree with this here. Um, you know, I heard Trey Lance, the th third pick uh, by the 49ers, say this this past weekend. He's like, I'll tell you what, this Jimmy Garoppolo is the best player, the best teammate I've ever been around. He is such a great guy, and it's just marvelous to hear his input on what he's saying to me, and I just love being around him. You know, then I heard Alex Smith a couple weeks ago saying, you know, one of the things that I was really fortunate was that Andy Reid was in constant contact with me when they were going to look for a quarterback in the draft. It was almost weekly, they were telling me. And when they ended up drafting Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes has said Alex Smith is one of the most important people in his life and how he made that transition for him. And then you look at what's going on in Green Bay. Those two other places, Nate, had communication with the guy that they were talking to on what they were doing. Green Bay let him find out, Aaron Rodgers, on television that they were taking a player. Is that right now the crux of what this whole problem is about? Is just a lack of communication that goes on in Green Bay? Because, look, it's precedent. Look at the way they didn't communicate with, uh, with Favre. Look at how they didn't communicate – really with Rodgers here. Is that what really is the whole thing here between these two Rodgers and, say, Mark Murphy? Well, you'd like to hear more from Rodgers, and I think, you know, in, in 
contrast to, to Brett Favre's situation, you know, people kind of noticed, you know, me, me as well. I think I think Rogers have been smart by by saying less, uh, if nothing. Whereas Brett Favre, you know, is, is usually an open book on this kind of stuff. But but I, I think your point, uh, you know, holds water too. Where I think with the Packers, you know, for years it's been about the organization, and there, there's not an owner there. It's, it's you know, Mark Murphy is the caretaker. Brian Kutekunst is the GM. But he came up you know, with Ted Thompson, saw how Ted Thompson operated, you know, and he, he couldn't pass up taking Aaron Rodgers, you know, in that 2005 draft. And, um, you know, I, I, you have to say that's been the best quarterback transition we've ever seen outside of maybe Montana to Young. I mean, right. it's rare that you see a go from one Hall of Fame quarterback to the next. But um, I, I think we're also, you know, Dan, in a different time, too, where, where people get, get in their feelings or, or, or people value communication more. Um, and, you know, you're seeing, you know, I think general managers these days are, are, are a little younger and a little bit better maybe at communicating with players than they used to be, where maybe they were more a detached guy up in that front office that you never saw much of. But um, I would say, too, that probably Aaron Rodgers, you know, deserved that phone call if that's what the crux of this is. Uh, you know, it, 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 should he let go of the grudge after the way he played? You know, maybe. Do they seem, seem committed to him beyond this year? Uh, maybe. But, you know, we'll we'll, we'll – given he didn't opt out last week and um, it, it sure seems like we're getting closer and closer to he's at least going to show up and play. But um, I, I do kind of admire that he's just kind of let this whole thing play out and let all of us, you and I and everybody else talk about it, but we haven't really heard a whole lot from him uh, directly. And I'm sure we won't. I'm sure it'll, it'll be a, a good you know misdirection when it's time to talk about this at training camp, assuming he reports. Would you agree, not just the play on the field by Brady, which we will, you know, 10 years from now, sit back and just just marvel at because I think his legacy will end up being bigger. But player-wise, you know, if LeBron James made it cool to be a mobile athlete, I'm wondering, Nate, how you look at this. Maybe one of the biggest impacts that Brady has on the league now when it comes to the quarterback position is say-so. I'm not saying that Tom Brady – how about this? I'm not saying that they're going to ask these quarterbacks for – direction on where they should go into the draft. But I do think that they're going to keep these guys a little bit more updated on the direction of the franchise, because when you're spending $40 million on a player and soon to be $50 million, depending on what you see with the contract of Patrick Mahomes and the escalators in there. I mean, you should have a seat at the table. I'm not saying in direction. I'm just saying, maybe letting you know where we're going. You think that's one of the influences that Brady will be remembered by, too, because I'm seeing Russell do it now. I'm seeing Aaron do it. I'm sure we'll see more people, more quarterbacks, especially these younger group guys that are going to be going, hey, look at you know where we're going. I'd like to know where we're going because I'm not going to sit here like in years past, Nate, and just have my career die in Miami like Dan Marino or something. If you're not going to build a defense around me, I'm going to go somewhere else. Well, I certainly think quarterbacks right now are looking at Brady. Uh, and certainly, as, as you mentioned, I mean, Russell Wilson, I think, said as much uh, before stuff really blew up with him. But, you know, that, that want, wanting, to, you know, Russell's concerned about his legacy and then you know, thinks that he ought to have some input there. Uh, certainly Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, you know, I don't think he's come out and said, you know, you should take in a Chase Claypool last year instead of, instead of Jordan Love or whatever. But, I mean, that, again, that kind of seems to be the, the undercurrent. And, and even – you know, you think back before all the stuff blew up with Deshaun Watson. I mean, back in January, the whole controversy with him was, was, was hey, I want Eric Bieniemy interviewed. Uh, you guys have committed 160 million dollars to me, and and I'm, I I feel like I should have input on the on the situation. And then you feel like he didn't he didn't, and the team kind of you know blindsided him with the direction it went. But like you said, it seems it seems like that's a, a trend where things are going to a degree. That being said, I also think that the Brady situation is a bit of a perfect storm. Where I mean, 
how much longer was Jason Light going to be in that job? You know, had he not <laughs> pulled, pulled the Brady, you know, rabbit out of his hat last year. And um, I also think Bruce Arians, you know, everyone loves Bruce Arians. And I think he's adaptable. I don't think Tom Brady was his his template quarterback with, a, you know, no risk and no biscuit. Let's let's chuck it 50 yards downfield. But I think everything came together here uh, where it's kind of a perfect situation for all sides. You know, Bruce Arians, is seven, what is he, 68, finally got his ring. I mean, worked out for him as well. It worked out for Jason Light as well. And, and now now they're going to try to go do it again. I, I don't know. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's the interesting thing with Aaron Rodgers is if he were to go somewhere else, I mean, how sure. often are you going to find that situation? You, you know, is, is, is – uh, are the Denver Broncos going to let you do that? Is, is Mark Davis going to let you do that with the Raiders that come in? And I mean, certainly if you if you, you get traded to the Raiders, if you're Aaron Rodgers, get back to the West Coast. But uh, are, are John Gruden and Mike Mayock going to let you have input on personnel decisions that they're ultimately accountable for? I, I doubt it. <laughs> so. <laughs> hey, two last questions for you, Nate. Let me throw this at you here. And coaches, you know, when we look at coaches and how we evaluate their legacies, there's no question Belichick's is solidified. But I would throw this off-ramp into his resume here. So he did get fired in Cleveland, and there was a quarterback decision that was made in Cleveland that I thought cost him his job. The whole back and forth between Testaverde and Bernie Kosar, in my opinion, cost him his gig in Cleveland because he really didn't know how to handle that transition from a local hero and Bernie from Youngstown. Both these guys are Kane's brothers of mine. I love them, but Bernie's the better NFL quarterback, in my opinion, and it ended up at the end of the day, Bill Belichick failed in Cleveland. He goes up to New England, and let's just say it, man. I mean, Drew Bledsoe was good and all, but they weren't winning a lot of games right out of the gate. All of a sudden, you talk about pulling a rabbit out of your hat, and here comes this guy just parachuting in. By the way, they missed on him five times. I know the Patriots love to say that they drafted Brady, but they missed on him five times too. They get him in the sixth round. So if you want to call it luck, what have you, here's this – Unbelievable football player. Last year, the pandemic. Okay, maybe we erase it a little bit here. How much pressure you think on Belichick for people not to have that George Seifert mentality where you look at him and go, Seifert was great in San Fran. He goes to Carolina, and he stunk out loud. Where you do this, 70-30 Brady, baby, in New England, 70-30. Because how do you see that whole dynamic up there? Well, it's interesting that I think last season the thing – many of us were asking going into the 2020 season is what was it Belichick? Was it Brady? Are we going to find out now? You know, like you said, it was, was it Montana? Was it Walsh? I mean, I mean, there's, there's always been that question where this is inextricable linkage. Uh, but, but last year there, there, there wasn't that. And it'll, it'll be great this year, week four, when, when Brady goes up to, up to Foxborough with, with what we probably presume is a better team. And we be curious to see is, is Mac Jones a quarterback by then or, or Cam Newton, whatever. Um, I think, I think Bill Belichick's legacy is, is, obviously cemented um and we I mean, think back to with all all the luck or, or, or all the success he had when, when it was matt castle on the field or yep you know garoppolo or jacoby Brissett or that or that kind of thing um so so there was that he i think i think for a period of time he had a higher win percentage without brady than with brady no, they were 11 and 5 nate when uh castle took over in that first game when he got hurt in kansas city so and i mean you could actually say they were 11 and 4 without brady that year and they were three and one the year he was suspended yep. um so but that said, I mean, last year was different. But like you said, pandemic, I mean, eight guys or whatever opt out, uh, you know, that's that's a lot to overcome. Uh, but I, th I think with Bill, and I think Bill is very cognizant of his, of his legacy and, you know, does, does the NFL films documentaries just, just so and gives you that window 
uh, to, to remember him by and that kind of thing. But I think, I think you know, the more – if Tom Brady wins another championship this year and the Patriots don't, um, where does that leave Bill and his own GOAT thing? I mean, do, do we, I think we've kind of been saying for years that he, this is the greatest coach of all time, but is it Vince Lombardi or is it Don Shula? I mean, does that does that discussion get reopened just based on, on how things have been going, you know, last couple of years with the Patriots and, and can he turn it around with, with, with Cam Newton? I mean, or Mac Jones. I mean, we'll see. Be interesting to see how it goes. And, and by the way, I'm wondering what's more important right now, him winning another Super Bowl or that Don Shula single season record because he has the postseason record. He has the Super Bowl. If you even want to add his coordinating rings in, Nate, you yep. know, when he was in New York and that AFC, I think he was a special assistant when – uh, Parcells had the Patriot team and they went in and lost to the Packers. I think he wasn't mm-hmm. the D coordinator. I think he was a special assistant because he had just been fired from the Cleveland job. I mean, you know, you, you look at that whole thing and I'm wondering that Don Shula record is probably something that he covets right now as well. Well, I think he certainly talks. I mean, Bill Belichick is nothing if not an NFL historian. I mean, he helped, he helped the Jets get to an AFC championship game under Parcells. I mean, you know, you mentioned the Cleveland thing. It's, it's I, yeah. I think before last year, it was funny too that people would be like, "Who's the last guy that won a playoff game in Cleveland?" It was Bill Belichick, and I believe that Vinny Testaverde was a starter in like yeah. 1994. And I mean, that kind of looked like a feather in his cap. Um, but I mean, I, I think he's another. What, Shula's a 347. I want to say Bill's in the 320. So it's yes. going to be a couple more years. Yeah, but I, I think he's. If, if you're not going to retire when Tom Brady leaves your team, clearly you've got other objectives in sight. Absolutely. Nate, I appreciate you taking time for me. Thank you so much, my friend. Have a great week. Good to see you, Dan. Thanks. You got it. That is Nate Davis from USA Today, covers the National Football League. We'll take a brief time out. We'll unravel all that. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest... Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. 
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back. National Football Show, Dan Cilio. Nate Davis is fantastic. Another Hall of Fame voter. Any sports writer that comes on the National Football Show, you have to have that distinction. Okay? A Hall of Fame voter. Or I work with you. (laughs) Okay? Yeah, those are only folks that come on the program. By the way, I'm going to break a rule. And you're going to love this. So usually I don't have kickers on my show. I don't really think they're football players, except for this guy, okay? He's a friend of mine. So tomorrow we're going to have one of the very few Hall of Fame place kickers on our show. He's a friend. I've known him forever. Morton Anderson's going to join us tomorrow. So we'll get his thoughts on what it's like to go through the ceremonies on being selected as a Hall of Famer, getting the knock on the door. We'll talk to him. As a matter of fact, that's what we're going to start doing. We're going to get some Hall of Fame guys on and let us hear their experience and when they found out that they got that incredible knock on the door by David Baker, the president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You've now been selected as a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Less than 1% of the people that play in that league. Okay, get an opportunity to put one of those gold jackets on. They're one percenters in the league anyway. you got a better chance to get this. Statistically, on being an astronaut than you do on playing in the National Football League. There's only been 26,000 men that have ever played in the NFL, and I'm very fortunate that I'm one of them. And it's an exclusive club. I believe there's only like 17,000 of us alive. So very exclusive. So we'll talk to Morton Anderson. That'll be tomorrow. By the way, Jason Cole, our resident NFL insider, he's also part of that process. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll get his thoughts. We'll talk a little Hall of Fame. That game's right around the corner. That'll be in hour number two. Um, real quick here on what Nate Davis from USA Today was talking about when it came to Bill Belichick in. We'll see what this year leads for Bill. Mac Jones, whether or not he gets to start in week one or it's going to be Cam Newton. I, I, I will say this about Bill. I Look, his legacy is clearly in cement. There's nothing that can chip away at it. Nothing. Another scandal, maybe. People are going to interpret Bill Belichick in their own eyes. Some people call him uh, Bill Belichick, what have you. But if I were to make a comparison to Bill Belichick with someone else in NFL history, you know who they would be? It would be Al Davis. Al did things unconventional. Al was a maverick in the sport. All the things Bill is, always ahead of the curb, always looking at the rules in the game, always looking at how you can manipulate formations against the rule 
so that you can have better personnel settings against your opponent. All of those things strategically done like he is a general that is putting a battle plan together each and every single Sunday. That's who Bill Belichick is. And I don't think anything can dent, as Nate said. I do think this, though. I, I, I think Bill can only enhance it. Bill gets a team to the AFC Championship game without Tom Brady. I don't know. I think that would be quite an accomplishment to leave that Patriots organization in the hands for the next guy to take over once Bill decides to leave. I don't know if Belichick will ever leave the game. Maybe he goes up into the front office. I can't just see him going and playing golf. Does that look like a guy who's just going to go and enjoy life and leave a sport that he's been involved in his entire life? I don't think so. I don't think guys like that. I think guys like that that leave the game, I think they die within a year. I think that's just something that's ingrained in you. When Coach Bryant left Alabama, I think he passed away within a year. And it the game was just – I know Paterno too. When Joe left the game, I think it was within a year he passed away. So, I mean, these guys, this is what some of these guys it's all about. So, all right, let's move on. So, I don't know if you had a chance to watch uh, UFC 264 over the weekend. Dustin Poirier ended up getting the victory. It was a stoppage because of medical reasons. Um, Conor McGregor ended up breaking his ankle, probably cracked it earlier in the first round. And he ended up stepping backwards and he's lucky he didn't get a compound fracture. That thing was seconds away from coming through the skin. I've seen compound fractures on a football field. And let me tell you something, that's about as frightening of an injury that you can ever see a player get is something like that. And I watched that, and, you know, everyone, and I tweeted this out. This guy's lost now, I think it's three or four of the last fights, maybe four or five of the last fights that he's been in. Sure, he's a money guy. You know what it's like watching? It's like watching Ali at the end of his career or Oscar De La Hoya at the end of their career. Or even if you want to go in the UFC – isn't it like watching Anderson Silva now? Anderson Silva, since that Chris Wedman uh, injury that he had when he did almost basically the same thing to his foot, I mean, he's never been the same. And I would say this to you, Anderson Silva versus Conor McGregor. McGregor's the greatest promoter in the history of promoting uh, UFC fights. No question about it. Anderson Silva, though, man, I mean, you can't put those two in the same conversation. Man, he was just spectacular. St. Pierre also, guys like that. Those guys were just legendary. But Connor, something special about him. He's got a rock star mentality. And will an 8DS fight uh, get my money and get me to open up my wallet and watch a third fight, a trilogy fight? Yeah. Here, and, and, and I'll put this out there to you. Did I watch Mike Tyson in that exhibition fight against Roy Jones Jr.? Yes. And why did I do that? Here's why and why Americans like this. And they like this kind of stuff, especially Connor. We enjoy watching things that give us pleasure. Connor McGregor gives great pleasure because he puts a great show on. He's an entertainer. He gets it. He's one of the greatest entertainers and sports entertainers of all time. And by the way, 
his promoting of the fight, his promoting of himself is what gets the clicks. It's not his record as of late, right? I mean, and let's be candid here. Was Dustin Poirier beating the piss out of him prior to that leg or that ankle breaking? Yeah. I mean, Connor's not great on the mat. He's not a grappler. He's not versatile enough to be considered a true UFC legendary guy like St. Pierre can he can strike and get on the mat and grapple. If you look at all the great look at Khabib. Khabib is unbeaten. You want to know who the GOAT is? It's Khabib. But what's Khabib like? He ain't Conor McGregor. He's not. He's not Conor McGregor. And every guy in UFC is jealous because get this. Why do you think Dustin Poirier is going to take a fight like that? Every champion on the planet is going to want to get paid. Who wants to get hit in the face and make less money? Nobody. Watch this. If I was the champ in that weight class, and they came to me and they go, hey, do you want to fight Dustin Poirier or do you want to fight Conor McGregor? I'll go, give me McGregor. Yeah, but he just lost. I don't care. Because that guy holds the money belt. Well, yeah, but that's not the integ- integrity. You go in there and get your face kicked in for half the money. No, thank you. Let me tell you something about playing professional sports. And I'll. this is something that ends up happening to every athlete. Okay, ready? When you get kicked in the chops a little bit and you start taking those hits, all of a sudden somebody's dropping $20,000 into your bank account every Tuesday. This was what I was getting when I played in the NFL. All of a sudden, them injuries, man, you're starting to do this. Well, I better go get some rehab here. Are you going to play this weekend? I'll let you know. Like years in the, in the past, you do this. Yeah, I'm playing. You're like this now. I just got $45,000 put in my bank account, made an incentive. Dude, money does crazy things to you. It makes you, here, here's what money does. It makes you think. See, when you're an athlete and you ain't making a lot of money, you don't think. You'll do anything. You'll run through fire. But when you start having the money that Conor McGregor has, this guy's worth $300 million. Do you want to run through fire again? Do I want to do the rehab that it's going to take? Here's another thing that Connor has to deal with. By the way, I think Teddy Atlas sucks out loud as a UFC analyst. He's not bad as a boxing analyst, but what the hell does he know about grappling? This guy made his name off of being a manager that Tyson hated, and he ended up losing the heavyweight championship belt with Michael Moore to George Foreman. I mean, I don't know because he sat in the corner and he talked crap to Michael Moore for a while. I don't know. Whatever. But he is right about one thing. Is that guy going to want to rehab to come back and get back in there and do it all over again? Man, 300. I I told somebody over the weekend, if I had $300 million, hell, if I had $300,000 in the bank account, you know what I'd be doing? I'd be burning the boats. Don't come call me. I tell Xander and Cal, my guys, that work on our show, don't bug me on weekends. I don't care. Okay? I mean, if I had the money, I, I, you would never find me again. I'm not that guy. I would, I would delete every single social media platform, and I would go away because I don't want anybody bugging me. Honestly, I'd just go away. And 
do you really want to get back in there to do that again? See, personally, I think Conor McGregor does want to do it. But spiritually, you want to go through that, the rehabbing of your ankle, then to get in shape, then to fight a guy like Nate Diaz who you have to hit with a steel chair just to get him on the mat. You know what that guy's all about. That's probably a fight everybody still wants to see, the Nate Diaz fight. Do you really want to get into a position where you have to kill that guy? Because you, tell me this, you know Nate Diaz saw that and went like this, I pray to God this guy comes back because now I know I can beat him and I'll choke that son of a B out. You know I will. That had to inspire Nate Diaz to want to do that. I was thinking of Nate after that thing went for Dustin Poirier. I went, man, Nate's got to be going. Hey, as much as Poirier, I think he got like two and a half, three million dollars for that fight. Nate Diaz is going to get about four million bucks for that because people want to see that and there'll be bigger buys. Watch this. That fight's a bigger fight. And it will be for no belt. That's for damn sure, unless Dana sets him up with a tomato can to win a belt. And can you imagine if Nate had a belt going into that? Well, you could triple everything then. That's probably going to be Conor McGregor's swan song. Win or lose is the last Nate Diaz fight. Why would he want to get into the ring with Poirier? He's not going to want to ever get in the ring. And I know that Khabib is retired, but you can always get someone out of retirement. You start throwing bags of money at him. So we'll see. I, I just, I look at it and I go, I go like this. I don't know, man. Yeah. You really want to get in there and the amount of rehab, I mean, that guy's at least eight months of rehab right now. So we're talking what we're here in July. It's July 12th, man. You're talking next May where you could honestly start training and getting yourself into shape and feeling comfortable mentally that that thing could hold up in a USC fight. I mean, are you going to start kicking people after you broke your ankle like that? I don't know. I mean, that's got to be a disadvantage too, as you're preparing for an upcoming fight against a guy like Nate Diaz. All right. I want to show you last night. I watched, I watched Giannis last night, have an incredible basketball game last night. And I want to compare him to Lamar Jackson. I'll do that next. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life. Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, 
go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back. National Football Show, Dan Cilio. The Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis is playing out of his ass in this series. He's got, like, I think, three straight games where he's gone over 40 points. You know the only other guy is in NBA history to do that for finals is Jordan. So you're you're seeing something historic in what's going on with Giannis. He's got a horrible three-pointer. He's not very good at the charity stripe. You know, it's almost like we're talking about a junior Shaq here, right? But what's the one thing he's worked at? Two things, I think. When his back is against the basket, is there anybody better in the game than him? You know, when he's around the box, he's just flawless. And the thing that I love about him, you know, all those things that I just mentioned, horrible three-pointer, not really the greatest mid-range shot, too, I would say. But he's devastating around the basket like Shaq was. Well, the thing that I admire about him, he worked at his game. He's completely worked at it. Unlike that turd in, in Philadelphia, Ben Simmons, who's more worried about trolling for chicks on Instagram and buying homes. And by the way, so you have a horrible series you're trolling chicks on the Instagram and you're moving to Southern California and you're not moving to Philly. You're not part of that community. You never have been for five years. That's why they hate you now. Under-delivering and you don't appreciate the market you're in. You're never going to play in a market in your life. You see, and by the way, when fans are on your ass about something, that means they care. 
let me give you a point here. And I've said this before to folks. Hey, man, I, I, you know, my coach used to get on my ass all the time when I was at Miami. Jesus, man, what do we have to do to get you to be a better player? What do we have to do? And finally, man, I just lost it. Why are you always on my ass? Jimmy Johnson looked at me and says, son, worry when I'm not on your ass. Hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, okay. He cares. Okay. Markets like Boston, Philly, Pittsburgh, Chicago, not New York. New York, they just bitch at anything. They'll, they'll bitch at the weather. They'll bitch on things closing at 2 a.m. If a bar, you know, and like that dumb stuff that like in your life has no meaning. New York fan base, when it comes to like their sports teams, how don't you kill James Dolan every single day you call in to a radio show and go, sell the team. You are the problem in New York with the Knicks. You, dude. Woody Johnson. The Jets suck because of you. But you know why you can't do that nowadays? Because most affiliations with radio shows or streaming shows are affiliated with those teams. So you can't really tell the truth. Unlike when we get Howard Eskin on, Howard just doesn't care because that's who Howard is. Legendary sports talk guy from Philadelphia. He'll just start ripping in everybody. Okay. And it's not personal. By the way, Woody Johnson, owner of the Jets. That's a personal man. I don't know you from a can of paint. I'm talking about your production as a football owner. It sucks. James Dolan. Hey, man, you may be a great granddad and a great dad and all. I, I don't know. I don't sit around your dinner table. I just know you suck as the owner of the Knicks. And that's all I'm going on. Not the personal. You're an awful, awful. When you're in markets like Boston, Philly, Pittsburgh, Chicago, maybe to some extent Dallas, maybe, you're going to get a fan base, New Orleans for sure, you're going to get a fan base that's going to annihilate you when you don't show up and do something. Simmons is trolling for chicks on Instagram. Hey, honey, how are you? Well, you look like you here. Here's Ben Simmons. Instead of worrying about winning and working on his game. Hey, I play for the 76ers. Yeah. Hi, I'm Ben. Wow. You got a great body. Hey, man. Yeah. No. Where do you live? Oh, you're out in LA. Really? Wow. I get out there all the time. I really don't stay here in Philly much because it gets real cold and, you know, uh, not really a guy. Yeah. Let's up. Up. Dude, that's who he's five years old. You know what Lamar Jackson's doing in Baltimore? That guy's working on his best football player he could possibly be. That's what him and Giannis have in common. Okay, so they say I can't throw the ball. He leaves the NFL and touchdown passes. They say I can't win. He's won 80% of his game since he's been a starter. Look at Giannis. He's He's three wins away from winning an NBA championship. Only him and Jabbar have won titles in the league. Huh? Jabbar, Giannis. That'd be quite a combo. 
And there's old Ben, the most overrated athlete in the history of Philadelphia sports. Worst contract ever. Can't shoot. And like my friend Howard said, you got to take the J out of Benjamin. He's Benjamin. It's funny. It's true. This guy's afraid of dunking the ball. Crazy. And you got a guy that's working on his game in Baltimore. I think the Ravens are going to be right there for contention for an AFC championship. I really do. I think, you know, you're talking about you're you're talking about a guy who wants to be great. And that's what makes Lamar the player that he is. All right. So it looks like um Aaron Rodgers is kind of like teasing us again. This guy's like, you know, your date. I don't know, maybe. Where shall we eat? I don't know. I'll explain. Hour two coming up. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. 
Try it on at GoArmy.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.